DJ PK, and we are joined by Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review Journal. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. We have many things to discuss with you. Uh, mostly Pac-12, but you might have a Major League Baseball question or two based on some of the headlines sure. from the weekend. Uh, but I'm just really curious how much this surprises you, because I think you're coming up on, well, it's more than 20 years. You might be coming up on a quarter of a century in Las Vegas, and everything seems to be changing very quickly in the world of sports in Las Vegas. It's like a different town. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've been here since 99, so you're you're correct. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, if you told me and like moved, moved here, uh, how much does it do? To, I'm not shocked. We eventually got a pro team, um, because I feared at some point that was going to happen the way the city was growing. Um, but you know, to have the NFL here, I never thought would happen. And now, you know, there's still, you now there's talk of the A's. There's talk about the NBA's a real possibility. Um, I'm not sure we can support three or four teams, but who knows? But it's, uh, it's, it's it is pretty incredible. Yeah, the thing that's got me nervous, Mark, is I am not going to be heading south out of uh, Vegas on I-15 on Sunday after Raider games, man. The traffic already is miserable. I can only imagine what that's going to be. We didn't have it last year because of no fans, but this year, it's it's just going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, I know. You're right. That Sunday, uh, whether you're going to L.A. or Phoenix on on that Sunday, or up to Salt Lake on that Sunday, it's just just, uh, horrible. But well, LA's already horrible <laughs> on a Sunday. I mean, to put a football crowd on top of that, I've seen that thing. At par- I used to live in Southern California. It was a parking lot. Yeah. Everybody has stories about it. Everybody yeah. makes that oh, mistake yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went through from LA to Las Vegas and t- took uh, took us seven hours to get oh, here. Oh gosh, that was not fun. That was not fun. <laughs> what should be for? You know, the thing that caught my eyes the other day, you had an interview with George Klyakov, uh the. Uh, Back 12 commissioner, I assume, Mark, that you have a relationship with him because of his presence for the time that he worked in Los Angeles. And I don't only saw your story in the Review Journal, I also saw it being quoted in several different places, media outlets over the weekend. So it got a lot of buzz. Uh, and we talked about it the other day, and I said, we got to get Mark on to have him talk about it. Um, the thing that, and there was plenty of stuff in there that caught my eye, but he was talking about the expansion potentials. And he said, you know, it's the schools that you would think of that have contacted the Pac 12, which we assume the, the remaining eight of the Big 12. But then he also said, and plus there'll be some that I think you would be surprised by. And that shot up our antennas. What do you think he meant by that latter statement? Yeah, the, I I wasn't sure what to make of that either. Um, you have to figure any group of five schools reaching out to them, at least on, in the west western part of the United States. But I'm wondering if maybe there's like a big ten, couple of Big Ten schools out there, maybe a couple of ACC schools out there, um, who are that are, are putting fewers out to the Pac-12. That's because when he says those, because you wouldn't expect schools from those conferences maybe to be reaching out. So that's what makes me wonder. Uh, Maybe like there's a, maybe there's a couple schools in the ACC that are looking at their situations like because I think they get that really long contract the ESPN they're like you know what's the, what's the, what's the big play here is this are we going to just 
wait out this long contract where everyone else moves forward. I mean, maybe that's what's going on. I don't know, but that's that's kind of my suspicion because, like I said, you would expect with the five schools, you as, as you pointed out, all the big big twelve schools are, are looking to do something. So, um, yeah, that's 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 not the only thing I can really figure. So when he talks, and you went down an interesting line with him, and a lot of it's been covered, but the whole in-game in in betting thing seems like it's about to explode. Your ability to bet on your phone legally in a lot of places and to bet on you know quarter by quarter, inning by inning, uh, maybe even possession by possession, I don't know where this is going, that seems like a massive new revenue stream, and he seemed really dialed into it. And I thought his answer to you was really careful, not just legalized and all that, but he mentioned and taxed. For all of you on the fence, think about how much tax money your local city or state might be getting. Absolutely, and I think that's part of the big selling point. Um, you know, the big the, the argument that Las Vegas has made for years and years is that sports betting is is um, but is there's there's regulation here that it's it's harder to fix games here than it is places where it's, where you, it's illegal. But and if you looked at most of the the uh, point shaving scandals, really pretty much all of them they're from outside of Nevada. Um, so I think now most places are have come around to that thinking as well, and they realize that if if you really want to monitor it, you have to legislate it or, or you know regulate it. And then if you can take make money on top of it, <laughs> you know that I think that gets people really thinking. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think uh, at some point it's just going to be everywhere. It's going to be legal everywhere, and uh, you know it's it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like uh, marijuana in that regard, where it's becoming it state, uh, different states are realizing. You know, you can actually make money off taxing this thing. So I think that's kind of where you're, you're seeing that heading. So I've been reading a lot about Klyovkov. It was an out-of-the-box hire. Didn't know much about him until he got hired as they uh, announced it to succeed Larry Scott. Uh, was down in Los Angeles last month. We broadcast all day on Pac-12 Media Day. He came on. Seems like a real affable guy who has a good sense of humor and all that stuff. Uh, why do you think that the Pac-12 was interested in him as the commissioner, and what does he bring? Well, he, he's... He's done some work on the sports side. He was one of the big drivers in helping Las Vegas land some NCAA championship events, including uh, 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 not a Final Four, but a a men's basketball regional and a Frozen Four uh, hockey uh, version of the Final Four. So he was was pretty big behind that. MGM, of course, is a huge property. Um, He sees it not only – he's handled not only the sports side, he's handled the entertainment side, and and he understands – the importance of uh, you know, selling things to fans, to spectators. So I think I think the Pac-12, especially when you look at the TV deal and how they really need to get that going, get make the Pac-12 more visible. I think they. He, I think he probably brought some ideas ideas to them that showed he can get it done. So uh, it was you know it's definitely a, a an out of the box hire. I don't know this hire gets made ten years ago, maybe not even five years ago, but I think that where the Pac-12 is now and where you also see, as we talked about the legalized sports betting and his background there, I think uh, I think the timing was just right for him. Mark Anderson joining us, sports reporter for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, has a long interview. You can find it online and read it with the Pac-12's new commissioner. And I, I thought one thing Kolovka kind of hinted at was 
that the league gets well compensated for playing in that fourth TV window, that late night game that is 8.30 Mountain Time and causes fans here to grind their teeth. Uh, But he also made the point, uh, while it's really valuable to the networks because they're the only Power 5 league that can play in that that window, it costs them when it comes to Heisman Trophy. It costs them when it comes to perception because by halftime, it is midnight on the East Coast and only the really hardcores are hanging in there. So he... Definitely is signaling that he wants some guaranteed earlier time slots. Uh, CBS has just lost the SEC. Whether they get the deal or not, will it force Fox or ESPN to guarantee them some earlier time slots? Or might they send part of the package to CBS so that they're guaranteed something while the rest of the country's awake? Yeah, and I think my suspicion is what's going to happen. They'll probably still have games at that time slot because that is such a wide open window in, in the West Coast and you do, you, you know, you're right, you're, you're, you're cutting up the East Coast audience but you, your primary target really is the West Coast and there are people who still want to see games that, uh, at that time so I still think that's probably going to happen but what's, my, my suspicion is is you're going to see more of a push for earlier games where maybe teams don't will play a limited number of games at night um, and they'll play more games earlier so they can get that exposure. So that's probably what they're aiming for, some sort of in-between where you, uh, you, you, where you get both. Um, you can still get the, get the more heavier money for the night games, but, but, uh, but not so much that you're, you're hurting yourself in the long run. I'm wondering what the hardcore Vegas people, the ones who have ties to UNLV, you know, the Tina Kunza Murphys of the world, uh, think of the Pac-12 coming into a town, uh, coming into Vegas, and establishing a presence because we know they're going to have the Pac-12 basketball, Pac-12 title football, uh, the bowl game is going to be involving Pac-12 teams, uh, maybe at the expense of overshadowing UNLV, I guess, to say. How was how that perceived in the Vegas area? Uh, I mean, you know, be frankly, has really dropped down, uh, not not just because of the Pac-12, but the Raiders and the Golden Knights. Uh, and now if you get another, another pro sports team or two, it's going to be even more. I mean, you know, is, I hate to, it's really sad to say, but it's, it's, it's quickly becoming an afterthought. And, and you know, when you have a football team that's 0-6 last season, a basketball team that hasn't made the NCAA tournament in, I want to say, 2013 or 2014, something like that, you know, they're, they're just—they're not doing anything on their end to, to get attention. And if they were good, I—I I think you'd have much more interest. But that's just—that's just the reality of UNLV right now. And you know, the Pac-12 is here. You know, this—they don't—they don't need UNLV. I know there are a lot of UNLV fans are are really hoping the Pac-12 will invite them one day. I don't really see why the Pac-12 needs to invite UNLV because the Pac-12 is already in the Las Vegas market. So they, they're they're here without needing the team to be here. Well, one day you can have uh, Ed Graney write a, a big series on this. On he knows how San Diego State got over, overshadowed by the Chargers and the Padres, and it sounds like it's the same thing that's happening to UNLV. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's absolutely, and that's a good point about Ed. You're right. He he went to San Diego State, so he he knows he knows um, it's a very similar deal there, but. The difference of San Diego State now. One thing they've got one less mark with the Chargers out of there, right. but also their basketball team has been so good, and so you know it's become a national power consistently. And so um, 
they, they do get a lot of attention. Even the football team, you know, has, has been consistently good for a long time. So I, it's it's not quite apples to apples, but it, it's you know, but that's what you that's what you have. I mean, you probably in Salt Lake somewhere with the Jazz, right? It's that BYU and Utah has such strong bases that you know, they're they're always going to draw draw a lot of crowds. So we got a new coach in Vegas, and what they're going to play some games, if not all, in the new stadium. That's not going to generate any buzz. Yeah, all, all yeah, they're all games at the Allegiant Stadium. So um, they just they got to start winning. That's <laughs> if they want to get any attention from fans or media, they got to start winning. I mean, it's, it's I, I say it's that simple. Obviously, it's not simple when you're talking about UNLV football, uh, but it's that's that's what they got to do. They got to start winning, and that's the only thing that's going to get people interested. Until that happens, if that ever happens, they're just going to they're just going to sort of be there. Yeah. The history of uh, college teams playing in NFL stadiums is not good. There's a couple there's a couple success um, stories, but there's a lot of them that are are not good. Uh, and no. so now you've got one and everyone's driven down the freeway and seen it. Uh, you've got one uh, domed professional stadium and now we hear the talk from from the A's is is there the money and the interest in Vegas to build another dome stadium? Well, I'm I'm really skeptical on that. Um, there's still a lot of controversy about how much money the uh, public money the Raiders got to build Allegiant Stadium. People still aren't, even though most of it comes from from really pretty much all of it comes from tourism. People aren't crazy about that kind of money being put into a, a stadium. So there's really little appetite to do it again. And then you throw a pandemic on top of it. I, I just don't see. I don't know where the A's will get the money from. I really don't. And so if you notice, they restarted talks with the city of Oakland about two or three weeks ago. I think that's probably why is because they realize that they, their best situation still might be in the Bay area as far as getting financial help. Um, but they are scheduled to come back down here. So we'll see, uh, you know, maybe they can be creative and work something out where uh, they can get something built. I just don't know how much public money they're going to, if any, they'll be able to get for it. Speaking of that pandemic, how much is Vegas back open? Oh, it's fully open. Um, they've now they've reinstituted some restrictions recently with the uh, surge. By uh, you have to have masks indoors, and now you have different properties. I think MGM recently announced that all new employees and uh, all management have to be vaccinated. So you're you're th- having things like that happen. But as far as people wanting to come here and visit, there's really very little change. So, uh, you know, poker and, you know, keep the poker face and all that. Are people playing poker yeah. masked up? I mean, what's going on? How does that work? I think, yeah, yeah, I think they have to. I mean, you know, when they make the mask optional, of course, that really meant that people weren't going to wear them. Um, but, yeah, now that you indoors, you have to wear them. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been inside a casino in quite some time. Um, so I, I don't know how strict they're being as far as enforcing that. It may depend on the casinos and all that. I mean, it's really hard to enforce. I mean, you've got thousands of people, and there's hard to go to enforce everyone that wears one, but uh, maybe they are, I, I, but I couldn't tell you. You going to cover Arizona BYU? Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm covering. We'll probably. I'm sure we'll have someone there, but I don't. I don't believe I'll be there that night. How, how's the stadium look from the inside? Uh, sta- so, you know, it's it's interesting. It's got the interesting lighting. The the, the green grass just really just pops. Um, so it's 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 really nice. Uh, um, yeah, I I I've heard. I, I've you know I haven't been to 
other NFL stadiums very much, but I heard I guess Minnesota's probably like the and, and SoFi Stadium in LA are like the the gold standards, and I guess this is like just like a run below from from what I'm hearing. So, how many more early season college football games are getting scheduled into Las Vegas? Is uh, is Arizona and BYU the start of a trend, or is it going to be kind of a rare thing? No, they want to make that a, a pretty regular thing. You know, sort of uh, make this uh, make this something they do probably annually. Get to uh, get two two main teams in here, and and uh, you know, because I you know, let's be honest with you, this game's going to draw more than your average UNLV game. So, uh, I think I think. Uh, I think you're gonna if, if they can make it work every year. I think they'll 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 do that. Even look at what they've done with basketball. They've had marquee basketball matchups in here uh, every uh, early season. Um, it's all obviously harder to do with football, but but that's that's what they want to do in both sports. They want to have top top programs in both sports here every year. Well, PK would love to see you at that uh, Arizona. BYU game just to hear you say so that's what this place looks like full. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you yeah. remember it, but I... I do remember that. Yeah, it was it was the Las Vegas Bowl. Yes. Yeah, but that's that's what it took to fill up Sandboy Stadium. It was uh, I don't remember which Las Vegas BYU think played in thirteen straight Las Vegas. Yeah, Bowl. I think it was the first one, and you said it in a quiet moment. And the thing there was a bunch of out of towners like me who laughed, and there was a bunch of Vegas people who kind of silently laughed. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember. Yeah. That was, that, you know, that was the game that saved the Las Vegas Bowl. Exactly. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, if you remember, Las Vegas Bowl was yeah. really, there was, in fact, I even written about it, it was, there were real questions about whether it was going to survive. And uh, BYU saved the Las Vegas Bowl. And, and, and uh, you know, I know Tina Kunza Murphy got a lot of credit and she probably deserved a lot, but, but if, uh, if BYU doesn't come in that year, right. I, I'm not sure the game's still being played. Yeah. I remember watching a Utah State Ball State Las Vegas Bowl. Ball State <laughs> brought twelve people. I think Utah State brought about five thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and tonight's attendance is five thousand and twenty-eight. <laughs> um, and I watched uh, San Diego State North Carolina, which was played in like sixty mile an hour winds. Both oh, punters yeah. had like zero yard punts. Uh, my dad was at the game and said that keeping the sand out of his hot chocolate was like the big, <laughs> the big challenge. He and my grandfather were there, and they said they were just holding on. Man, he said, "I just, I just need to make it back to the bus." Man, this is brutal. So uh, yeah. it was. It's definitely a different era for the Las Vegas Bowl. That's for sure. Oh, it is. I mean, now you got you got the uh, what the, the number three. Pac-12 team, I think, or number two. I don't. I think it's the three because I think they're trying to avoid bringing a team back that's been in the title game. Okay, yeah, and then against uh, either SEC or Big Ten each year, so yeah. that's you know that's, that's a different era. Before this game's come, yeah, it's a different era. Yeah. All right, well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us and talking all things Las Vegas. It's uh, it's like a home away for home from Utah sports fans. It really doesn't matter BYU fans, yeah. Utah fans. I think uh, all Jazz fans agree. We're happy you're keeping your grubby hands off the Jazz, though. That was a that was a dark <laughs> era in the '80s, but that, that's gone now. Yeah, that's a, that was definitely on Salt Lake's team now. So yep. yeah, I think I think I think we're getting the NBA team maybe sooner than later. Who knows? But uh, it won't be the Jazz. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Mark. Mark Anderson. Right, thanks for having me on. Good stuff to give you guys. Yep. Sports reporter for Las Vegas Review Journal. Join us right here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Now let's get this party started. <laughs> 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. CBS Sports College football writer Chip Patterson. Three division championships in the last six years, knocking on the door of the college football playoff before falling to Oregon. I think that we have to look at Kyle Whittingham's time in the Pac-12 and Utah's success, particularly over the last half decade or so, and say that they need to be on your short list of contenders just anytime you step in. I think Charlie Brewer is going to have a fantastic season. I think because of the improved play at the quarterback position, we can see Andy Ludwig's offense produce at a level more similar to what they were able to do in 2019 with Tyler Huntley. I don't think Utah is going to be undefeated, but I think that Utah can win the Pac-12 South in just doubling down on calling my shot, saying that they could take down Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Back to throw is Wilson. Well protected. Floats one up the seam at the goal line. Croft makes the catch. Turns. End zone. Touchdown. Tyler Croft from Zach Wilson. Play action. Bootleg out to the left. Zach Wilson flips it left. Tyler Croft makes the catch. Left sideline 10. He's at the 5. Front left pylon. Powers his way into the end zone. There's a jet touchdown. Time to get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show. Zach Wilson had a game, 9 of 11, 128 yards, two touchdowns. As the Jets beat Green Bay, 23-14. It is preseason. How many second and third stringers is he facing? How many exotic blitzes is he going to see in the regular season that he's not seeing now? All kinds of questions there. But all you can do is look good right now, and he looks good right now. Don't talk to me. Herm is is on making his first appearance down in Phoenix radio station right now. PK's listening on his phone. He's literally talking into a mic with a phone. If you have a plan that can't be changed, it's a bad plan. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, The guy's just a genius at this stuff. It's hard. Have you, you, did you, when you were interviewing him at a Pac-12 media day? Talk a little lower. When you were interviewing him at a (laughs) Pac-12 media day? I just go to my golf voice. Bob Casper is at the 17th green. Brian Taylor's at the 16th green. Right now, let's go to PK at the 14th tee. I can't hear Patrick? <laughs> They're talking about distractions, and he's trying to deflect. Yeah. Oh, the, the announcer, the, the ex-jock who played in the NFL, doesn't think the players are going to be affected. Sweet. Nice. Talk among yourselves. I got some level <laughs> football right now. <laughs> Always something university. <laughs> How did I not know that? You said know. that's been out there for a long time for ASU. We've been sitting in here just blathering on about sports and commercial breaks for almost 20 years. I thought you would have told me that. <laughs> I would have. I mean, I like oh. that. It's a little something. It's a shot. <laughs> Always something university. Well, because I don't think that they've had a level of expectation that they had this year in a long time. So there was no need. If you're expected to go six and six, seven and five. You don't bring out Always yeah. something university. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, that's basically. But it's been long enough now. I mean, I I can remember being a kid, and I must have been in elementary school because we hadn't moved yet. Because and this neighbor was just going nuts about uh, San Diego State's going to play Arizona State in the Fiesta Bowl, and I can remember thinking, "What? San Diego State doesn't go to bowl games?" And in that era, they didn't. Uh, There weren't nearly as many. And your Sun Devils were in the middle of their Frank Cush run, and ASU has been talked about as sleeping as a sleeping giant since then. And there have been two glorious Rose Bowls. But there's never been a run. No, there's never been no sustaining. No, there's never been run. Even I've gotten tired of the sleeping giant talk. Like obviously, there's some flaw in the equation that people aren't accounting for because it would have happened. There, too many people have had a shot at this, and I think it comes down to what you say. Certainly, it does now. 
this heat is just overwhelming people. And kids don't want to stay at home. And it's 116 degrees. Hey, let's go work out. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's go pass out. <laughs> I mean, we're literally, no. this is like legitimate health concerns at this point. Get in the car and go to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, right? This is what they do in troves. <laughs> So, yeah, Jake Scott would say, I don't understand why they don't win my No, it's clear now. I would say, no, you're right. You don't understand. I get it. So stop saying you don't understand. You've you've got players talking about it on the air. Yeah. In a tone that's like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. When I'm adamant about something, it's usually I have a level of uh, background and backing And other people have backed you up. Yes. You and Gordon both pop off a lot, but you and Gordon both talk to a lot more people. When I started doing the show with Gordon a long time ago, before he wrote a column, I was surprised how many calls he made. And sometimes I'd be sitting right there while he'd be making them. People would be telling him stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you, he'd tell me, I'll tell you this, but you can't repeat it. Well, I want to know the good stuff, so I don't repeat it. Like, I already got blowback on saying that somebody told me the NFL said BYU looks like they have the most NFL parts, whether they are or not. It's a second to ASU, and the guy's already getting at me that, you know, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I, I, it was what was told to me, man. What can I tell you? Right. <laughs> if and you don't want to be, believe it, don't believe right. it. And, and the thing when I hear that, <laughs> if you want to dismiss it, don't dismiss it because and PK's not making it up. Right. I, I have I'm zero doubt about that. literally what was said to However, me. it's one scout. Scouts miss on stuff all the time. And it's just this year. And it's just this year. But the other yeah. thing is, and this is hard because it hasn't been like this in a long time, but going forward, if we see... I don't know what your everyone will draw another, you know, 5, 10, 15 BYU players drafted in the next two, three, four years, whatever it is. Well, then we'll know they're saying that kind of stuff because it's literally changed. I think Did it's this, on the way to changing. I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. I can tell you these guys who haven't been quoted because basically we're quoting Kalani and Aaron Roderick and occasionally Tuiaki, mm-hmm. but they're putting uh, Aaron out there. Which I think is good. He's an offensive coordinator. He has a significant thought, position on the football team. He should be out there. And I also thought <laughs> that that um, availability that he did on Saturday, yeah. and I've interviewed him a lot. I've interviewed him you know, in groups, one-on-one, two-on-one with you sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have never, ever seen him more comfortable in front of a microphone. Because hmm. I think they think that they've got more, something that's developing. Yeah, More eye contact, more yeah. confidence. And it's not that he was a bad interview before, but... I had to edit that yesterday for talking sports last night and had to watch the whole thing, right? And going through it, I mean, I was two minutes into it and I'm like, wow, he is so confident right now. Well, I and can, I thought individually in himself and in his work, yeah, yeah. And but also authority. in the, gr- the team as a group. And I felt both those things watching it and the more, and I never wavered as I kept watching him. It didn't, it didn't waver in him, so it didn't waver in me. The truth of the situation is Aaron Roderick has more authority and freedom as an offensive coordinator than he had at Utah. He also, or worse. More, he also has more experience. Yeah, well, he certainly does. I mean, he'll, he'll have more yeah. experience next year, too. And but, maybe uh, he's got but, more talent. But I think he has... Uh, I'm not, I'm, I can't go there. Not yet. G- give, me, give me time. I, may, I hope I can go there, but I, I can't go there right now. But... I think that Kalani gives him, he empowers him more than Kyle empowered him. I totally believe that. 
100%. And that's just a fact. If I you want to take a shot at me, take a shot at me. What can I, I won't, tell you? I won't debate that at all. Yeah. I, but I also think he's going to have, I think, and I don't know this for sure either, but right now I'm leaning towards he's going to have better quarterback play than he had at Utah. I mean, he had four I'd have years. I to go back and remember. I agree. But he had four years, and I'll guarantee you for two of them, the first go-round, the quarterback play was sketchy. Well, he'll tell you he won 39 games in the four years that I know. he coordinated. Right. I know. So. Right. And the second it was better, but I think he had Travis Wilson years. And that's why I'm excited get for one BYU. Year of Troy, with, I'd have to know. I can't remember. Yeah. I, can't, I, I think he did. I think he did, too. I think he did. One year of Travis and one year yeah. of Troy, I think. And one of the reasons I'm excited now, because he has authority on the offense, and he had a lot of authority last year, but we put in a lot. We put in the catchphrase, a lot of authority. This year, we just say he has authority. Right. So we're, we're removing a lot of. Right. What that And he wants to open it up. And I'm real excited to see what that means in terms of success. You can want to open it up all you want, but if the ball keeps bouncing off the ground, who cares? Or yeah. even worse. Picks? Y- <laughs> yes. Turnovers. I no, think well, yeah, yeah, Ky- yeah, Kyle yeah. is in like, he seems to be more in like preventative mode at all costs, whereas Kalani is wary of them but willing to let it ride a little bit. I don't for a second believe Kalani's willing to let it ride a lot. Oh, no, no one is. But, I mean, Kalani's the guy apparently who signed off or called or was made aware of a, of a fake punt out of your own end zone against Boise. Mm-hmm. That was a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kalani wants to score points, man, and he doesn't care in which way they come. If you pound it and get down and the ends in a touchdown and you have an eight-minute drive, he'll take it. If you have four eight-minute drives, he'll take it. He doesn't want to win by nine. He wants to win. Mm-hmm. But if you need to open it up to get there because you're having a hard time and you get a holding call and that eliminates you ground and pound, he, he wants that too. So this he is, just wants to score points. He doesn't care which way, how way, what way, anything. See, and there's another intriguing question that's first cousin to this one. And I'm intrigued by this going into the season because I think the answer is, yeah, Maybe. Maybe there's finally going to be a little wiggle room. And I brought this up with you. I don't even know if you remember it. It was probably two or three weeks ago. And you're like, no. <laughs> what? Quit dreaming, DJ. No. What, I'm just wondering room? if Kyle is willing to open it up a little bit because he's going to have better quarterback play than he's had. That he trusts his OC and his quarterback in combination in a way he never has. And he's going to let them open up. Now, they turn it over. He is going to shut them down in 2.2 seconds. Yeah, but you had Tyler Huntley, and he's mm-hmm. in the NFL, and you had mm-hmm. Andy Ludwig. How mm-hmm. do you open it up more than that? Are these quarterbacks more talented? Than Tyler Huntley? Throwing so the we're ball. So they got these two quarterbacks going to play in the NFL? Tyler yeah. Huntley is in the NFL. I agree. I'm not going to slap that on these guys. For, okay. for one, Brewer is way small. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he so, just physically has so the stature. Physically, he can't play in the NFL, but he can be a very good college quarterback. He can well, have success in college. He can throw the ball, not turn it over. If you tell Kyle you can throw the ball for 30 yards and this kid's only going to turn it over once every Tyler 40 didn't throws. Tyler throw, didn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. I can't see where you're going to open it up. And I, we, He's we not going to have get Zach that, Moss either. we got to get Zach that Moss cli- is that a heck clip. of a safety net. Like, Tyler, just give it to Zach. Because Zach's going to be in the NFL, too. Do they have an NFL running back right now? They always do. 
<laughs> and maybe they do. But he, everybody knew. They're pumping up this kid, Thomas. Who who did he sign with? He went to Cincinnati, but or not sign, but didn't he commit to, not that Cincinnati's any slouch by any stretch. No, he went to Cincinnati. Right, but wasn't there a bigger program he committed to? But he like signed with Ohio State, commit, uh, and Something then along else? those lines. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not downgrading. Cincinnati's plenty fine. They're preseason top 10. Yeah, and but Fickle's still. And done a phenomenal it, job. It, it, so they're talking about this kid. And they're kind of talking about him uh, without really saying all that they want to say. Yeah. So I'm expecting him. They always have a great running back. Why would they not have a great running back this year is beyond me. Maybe they don't, but they always do. <laughs> so until I see otherwise, I'm going to suspect and expect them to be able to be successful on the ground. Yep, this is what said, I was talking about three weeks ago, Yak, when I said he told me no. You're telling me no right now without telling well, me no. Well, but they opened it up. I don't expect them to open it up more than they did in 2019. Okay. Where they have Keithy in the backfield doing all sorts. That's opening it up. It just don't have to throw the ball to True open story. it up. True story. Plenty that of ways. They got Britton Covey that, the most, that they used. When they were running him, that was the one time I started to flash back to uh, – Urban Meyer, because there really hasn't been a hint of Urban Meyer's offense. Urban packed it up and took it with him. It was like all that stuff just vaporized. I thought it was Mike Leach. I was expecting Kyle to do no. an interview with a Starbucks cup. <laughs> <laughs> He's opening it up. Starbucks cup. Yes. <laughs> you would get a snort out of Kyle with that. Maybe not a full-blown <laughs> laugh, but at least a snort. <laughs> Um, anytime, well, around Pac-12 media, it seemed like uh, uh, Leach was always c- carrying around a cup of coffee. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Question of the day. Mel Kuyper says USC will clobber. That's a quote. Will clobber BYU. Why so disrespectful for a team coming off such a great season? B-Day 311 says, well, Mel knows BYU lost a ton of production in the NFL. Lots of unproven guys I'm sure he knows nothing about. Not surprised. Clobber? I think there's some level of respect, disrespect towards the program. I would be careful with Mel doesn't know anything about. I remember when uh, Liz Abel, who was a longtime uh, sports information director at the University of Utah, took over football, mm-hmm. and yeah. there were, I don't know, two, three, or four of us standing on the sideline, and somehow Mel Kuyper came up, and she pivoted and said to all of us, he does his homework. I'm surprised at the amount of calls he puts into, and this is Utah in the, um, I don't even know if it was Mountain West. It might have been the WAC days. And he said, it was certainly pre-Urban Meyer. It was certainly uh, Ron McBride era. And she said, um, he spends a lot of time on the phone with Utah coaches because he calls and sets them up through her, obviously. And uh, and in her tone of voice, she was super impressed. And you can vouch for this. Like, if Liz wasn't super impressed, Liz would let you know she was not super impressed. So I took that. She's never one, super impressed with me. <laughs> and she always let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when she was impressed, I was like, oh, well, Mel must really do his homework. Although we had a nice conversation when she was getting ready to leave, or yeah. to leave because I paid her her due respect, had been there for many years, and did a great job, by the yep. way. 
Their program has always been one of the most accessible programs. Changed a little bit, but when she was there, uh, phenomenal. But changed along with the times. Probably would have changed either way. Right. Uh, Mel says, UCL clobber BYU. Why so disrespectful? And Tom says, wait, who expects BYU to have a shot? Now that's disrespectful, Tom. Well played. That's taking a shot. That is taking a shot. I still think there's a uh, prove-it point of view towards BYU, given his schedule last year, Tom tweets in. That's probably true. Whether it's fair or not, that is probably true. Well, Gordon wrote about that the other day. I should have thought of it the way <laughs> I did two weeks earlier. That, uh, And he didn't see it, so it's fine. But I think both of us are along the line of we're thinking the same thing. That's the most important thing. Not I'm just messing around there on the other stuff. That... BYU has the burden of 11-1 and one this year. Unfair or not, it doesn't matter. Plenty of things aren't, are unfair but are still reality. And this is one of the things for BYU. They're going to have to prove, even though Zach Wilson is going to be the rookie of the year, Roy Wilson, this year, mark it down. I'm calling it, and <laughs> we'll be right. He's gone. But they still have the burden to back it up. And this is, oh man, this is such a huge year for the Cougars because if they get, to me, backing it up means 8-4. and four. I might settle on 7-5 and five if a bunch of games are close. No. I might. You might, but the public won't. And they're not backing it up to you. They're backing yeah, it up to the public. Yeah, but they're going to be wrong. They're backing, <laughs> I think they got to back it up to me first. I mean, they know they've got to take care of me. You know they've sent a lot of NFL guys away and that this team doesn't have the players from last year. So you're not expecting them to back it up. That stands on its own. This will stand on its own. Now, you might judge 7-5 and five as a solid season based on how the game goes. I get that. But to the other point about backing it up to the public and the pressures on them, you don't get to decide that. Yeah, I know. But my influence is so enormous, though, I can sway. Ryan says, it's because it's BYU and it's been that way for a hundred years. A century. He's got a chip on his shoulder. But Ute fan has a chip on his shoulder too, David Nelson. Ah, yes, I can hear it in the air. The start of football season, 1280, spending all their time trashing Utah and pumping up BYU. Looking forward to more continued normalcy after Utah beats up on the Y. At 1280, folks get a little less enthusiastic. You look at my background, and it screams lifelong BYU fan. Absolutely. I don't deny that. And since even before I was born, I hated the Utes. Thank you, Morgan. We'll leave it right there. (laughs) No, he said since he was born. I went before. You folk have taught me about that time period. I've gone even before. He started at birth. Mine goes pre-birth. That's a 17-year-old drop. Have you got it? Conception. I was in the womb, and my mother was saying, what was all that kicking and screaming? I said I was trying to let her know. I hate Utah. (laughs) Yak, it's out there somewhere. That got played uh, before Morgan was on our staff, before he left our staff, before he became a coach, before he became a defensive coordinator. We've had hey, that for a long time. You almost ran out of breath. I did. <laughs> and that's why we're going to end the show. That and because it's 9.59 and Hans and Scotty are on next. We'll see you tomorrow.